Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Jeff Stewart. Thanks for being on the show, Jeff. Hey, thanks so much, Whitney. Looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. I got to meet Jeff recently with some of the neat projects that he's doing and adding value to a lot of people. And I'll let him share with you about that in a little bit. But a little about him, he is a principal at Smart Asset Capital, a vertically integrated commercial real estate investment firm based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with a strong focus on multifamily apartment investments. He's also starting Capital Club, a real estate private equity newsletter and community for individuals that are interested in investing in private equity real estate. Jeff, welcome to the show. I look forward to getting to know you a little better, hearing a little more about your story. You've had a path getting into real estate. Now you've done numerous syndications. And I know many of the listeners are, they're pushing to do the same thing. They wish they could be in your shoes, many of them. Even if they think they're ahead of you, there's, I'm sure there's so much they can still learn from you as well. So give us a little about your story about getting into the syndication business and how you got to the first syndication. As I was telling you before the show started, I just got this podcast mic and I want to get on more shows and even want to start our own podcast as well. I think I'm in a fun spot because I'm definitely not super experienced. You know, we're finding good deals and giving investors great returns and building this business. So it's kind of a fun place to be in because it's not really scaled up yet. But to get back to how I got into syndications, I bought smaller deals. I bought a few duplexes and then a condo. And this was seven years ago or so. And I just kind of realized like it's not scaling as quickly as I'd like it to. At first, my plan was, well, I'm going to buy a duplex or a small multifamily or a residential like single family flip one a year. And then I was like, well, I can scale this so much further by partnering with people. And so I did a joint venture with my partner now and actually my dad, he got a good deal on it because partner and I did most of the work, but um, my dad and I have partnered on other deals too before and that's gone really well. We're coming full cycle on a deal that we are selling on Friday, but we did this joint venture. I realized more about scale and more doors. You know, I'd started reading a lot of books about multifamily, all the big players in it. I've read pretty much every book there is on it. And so we bought a 34 unit apartment building and that was a huge like value add mom and pop deal. Around that time, I had started learning more about syndicating. That deal was not a syndication. It was just a straight joint venture, a third, a third, a third. That was in, we closed in January of 2019, I think. So I had stumbled upon in my reading, I do a lot of reading, but I'd stumbled upon Jake and Gino and Wheelbarrow Profits and everything that they had in their book really resonated with me. Their methodology, you know, everything that they were doing is what I wanted to apply to this 34 unit deal that we did. And there was a lot of work that had to go into it, a lot of deferred maintenance and just other stuff. So I decided then that we could go bigger even and start raising money from friends and family. And my partner is a real estate broker and has a lot of investor clients as well. And so I joined Jake and Gino's group to help with, you know, I'll give them a plug and a shout out here. I really like them and, and everybody in the community. 
I joined that because I figured, you know what, if I'm going to start raising capital, I really want to have the support of a community and whatnot. And I mean, even with that support, we've made mistakes, but I think we've been quickly able to course correct just by being able to bounce ideas off of people. No doubt about it. And I'll add to that. Numerous guests have talked about being in Jake and Gino's program, just another one not too long ago, or just a few days ago, actually. It's interesting just what being in a group like that does in some type of mastermind or mentoring program just gives you another level of confidence that you would not have had otherwise. And I'll also say I've known Jake and Gino for quite a few years now and just have nothing but great things to say about them. Just amazing guys. And they've created a great community too. But would you speak to a little bit finding them versus all the other mentors that are out there? Was it just that book like you mentioned? What was it about them specifically that made you say, okay, this is the one for me as a mentor? Yeah. I mean, I like the, um, I don't know. Some people call it the beer test or whatnot. I mean, there's a lot. I looked at a lot of them, Joe Fairless, Michael Blanc, Rod Cleef, and some others. And I just felt like what Jake and Gino had going on, I felt like I'd like hanging out with them. I'd probably like hanging out with the other guys. I like talking to anyone about real estate. And so, you know, but it just, everything that they were about was resonating with me. And I just said, you know what? I like their value add mom and pop apartment building approach. So I went with them. Yeah. Tell us about the first syndication and how long then after that till you syndicated your first building. Okay. So we did that joint venture in January of 2019. And then the first syndication was an 89 unit apartment building that we closed in May of 2019. So kind of right on the back on the heels of that. And this is like, this property has been such a learning lesson in so many different ways. It's going to pull through. We've struggled a lot with it. You know, we made a number of rookie moves, right? And so bought that in May of 19. It was that deal had been under contract twice before. So if you think about it for the full year, it was basically the property management company on site had been thinking, well, we're selling this, right? So, you know, there were some struggles with some of the tenants that we inherited. And we really learned the definition of economic occupancy. I don't think I was quite fully aware of that before <laughs> that deal. We had a lot of people there. Elaborate on that right there, because I think that's a valuable point that you obviously learn the hard way, but to keep the listener from learning that the hard way, because that's a great point. So elaborate on that. What is that? And what would you have done different? Yeah. I mean, I just don't think we didn't necessarily audit in due diligence closely enough of who was paying. You know, they had done a decent enough job at keeping the occupants, physical occupancy at 92 or something percent. We thought we could raise the rents, which we did. We were able to raise the rents, but we just inherited a lot of tenants that were dodging and not trying to pay rent. And so we had to go through and really focus on collections. And then unfortunately, we had to part ways with some of the tenants and some of those tenants, they don't typically go the way that that you or I would go from a property, right? So we had a lot of renovation costs and we wanted to do it right. So we did like a fully rebrand of the property. We were supposed to get some IO and then kind of shortly before we were going to close, they called and it's a Fannie Mae loan and Arbor's the dust lender. And they had called and said, well, you know, they basically changed the terms of the loan on us. And knowing that today, I probably would have walked away. But that being said, you know, we're not losing any money. We're just, it hasn't cash flowed the way that we thought it would. And so I still think we do it because I think it's such a great learning lesson. And all of our deals since have been just stellar and phenomenal. And we've learned so much from it that I think it's still worth it. And this property we bought in May of 19, we struggled the whole way through 2019. We've 
finally got there. And then like, we felt like we had the right tenants in there. We went through three property managers on site. We finally had the right property manager and we had it rebranded. Everything was looking nice. We had our marketing and leasing systems down because the systems thing was a lot different with that property than other ones. But now we've got those in place. And then the pandemic hit. And so there was more struggles with that. But Q4 of 2020 was our best quarter yet by far. And Q1 of 2021, it started out fantastic too. I don't want to say this. I've said it in at the end of 2019. Like I think we're finally turning the corner. And so who knows, but it's starting to do pretty well. And if we can come out the other side, that'll be a really fun one to be able to tell that story. For sure. Well, speak to even the financing component a little bit. I mean, that's horrible. If you're planning on two years of interest only or three years, whatever, and then days before closing or however long it was, the lender calls and says, oh, I'm sorry, here's the new terms, right? And they're drastically worse. I mean, that can just squish it. Your deal is gone most of the time, right? And potentially your earnest money too, if you can't find a lender that can make that work. What did that teach you? What would you have done differently now knowing that? Because that could have been horrible. And it obviously hurt the deal but you all have still pushed through and made it work. What would you do different now as far as the lending piece specifically? Yeah, we were really in a pinch. I mean, we basically picked our horse and who we were going to go with with lending and our earnest money was hard and it was, we didn't really have much of a choice. And so, I mean, there's obviously we could have asked for an extension. We could have done a number of things and try to figure out other financing. I probably would have done that and said, let's go a different route. They basically came in and we were supposed to have two years of IO, which would have really helped with the repositioning. And so it would have just taken a whole lot of stress off of us. But I think it forced us to really learn and forced us to really, really, really watch. We still meet about that property every week. And we have systems in place now that we watch the expenses like a hawk. We watch all these metrics. We have a VA that's basically working on marketing that property and getting leads over to our leasing agents. And you know all of that stuff that we did that I think really helps our other deals because those systems are in place, they wouldn't probably be in place if we had that IO because maybe we wouldn't have been as watching it as closely. So, But now, if someone were to call me like that, I wouldn't have pushed forward with that deal. I mean, they gave us a little bit better of a interest rate and they basically said that there will be no prepayment or defeasance after six and a half or seven years. So we do have a long window on the back end to sell it, which would be nice. And that kind of changed, but it really, really hurt or helped. It hurt the property for the first couple of years, but it helped with our system. Yeah. Wow. So maybe it helped you long-term to have more successful deals long-term. Maybe that one didn't feel so great but it's helped you to be better prepared for the next ones. Maybe you can speak to that as well. Some systems that you have implemented on deals after that, that either that deal taught you or that any deals after that have taught you that the listener should be putting in place as well. Yeah. I mean, we have weekly cadences and we're vertically integrated. So my partner, who's a broker, he also owns a property management company. They do third-party property management company, but they do all of our property management company for the smart asset capital deals. And we meet with them out of necessity. We realized that that property wasn't going to go very well if we weren't all over it, all over the expenses and meeting with the property management company weekly. And sometimes those meetings are 10 minutes long and sometimes they're two hours. The system is we go through and discuss the numbers, discuss the income, discuss the expenses, and then discuss with the on-site property management company or the on-site property manager any relevant things that are going on that week or last week. 
And then another system that we have in place is our VA who splits his time between trying to help us find deals from off-market sellers and then trying to help us make sure that our occupancy is phenomenal. And it has been even through the pandemic in some of our other deals, which are commercial. We have some deals that are commercial, not even multifamily. And he's just been super instrumental in helping us funnel leads to our leasing agents and then us making sure that our leasing agents call them right away. We've adopted some processes from Neil Bawa just about using these VAs and having these people get contacted right away. Because if we used to be like, well, we'd get a lead for it and then we wouldn't follow up with them for six days. And then by then they've already rented something else. And Right. Speak to a couple of things. That, or where's that VA located? Philippines. There you go. So speak to a couple of things that this VA is doing to help increase leads. Like what are they doing that's increasing the leads or just increasing that turnover? Talk about that system just a little bit, because I think it's very valuable. I talk about it all the time, hiring and using VAs. I've used numerous people in the Philippines. and I have a great lady there that's full time for me now. And honestly, she speaks better English and has better grammar than I do. And I can pay her it's so cheap, but it's like double what she was making as a teacher. You know, it's benefiting her and her family in so many ways. And she's been a great asset to our team. But speak to the process a little bit this VA does as far as increasing the traffic. Because I think that can help a lot of listeners that are wondering what's going on with their management company as far as how can they help them to increase the traffic and how do you all do that? And by the way, we brought him in full time as well. And he's getting paid more than he was when he was kind of with that company and we we're splitting sort of the cost. So he's super fired up and he's happy. And like you were saying, his grammar is better than mine and it's scary almost. And he's just been an awesome asset for our team. We message daily on WhatsApp or Facebook. So he's really good with social media. I don't want to say he manages our social media pages for the properties and for our brand, but he's very active on there. And he's just consistently posting about any takes. Our property management company is posting about any open units, right? And he'll go repost that stuff. And and he's just very, very quick to respond to any leads. And then he funnels those leads to the leasing agent. So I would just say consistently posting on social media and all different kinds of channels about any open units that we have there. We pay a little bit to sponsor some of those posts. So that does help too. But then it's just his quick responsiveness and funneling him. And he kind of coordinates with the leasing agents. And that's basically the process. He'll help with follow-up with leasing agents. So that's been instrumental to helping us keep our vacancy so low. So Jeff, early on, you were talking about you wanted to scale, right? We all want to scale. Everybody's trying to figure out how to scale. What the next book is, like you mentioned, you read so many books about it and I have as well. Could you elaborate on one or two things that did help you to scale, helped you to move to the next syndication, the next syndication? What were one or two things that helped you to get where you're at now from the first syndication? One or two things. Okay. So first thing is partnering. And that was even on the first syndication, right? Like networking. I wouldn't be doing what the deals that I'm doing without the partners that I have. So Adam and Brock, Brock's been on your show. He's been phenomenal. And we've all got a really good chemistry, a good friendship and a lot of trust. And you know, we work really hard to build this thing. So partnering and networking. And then the second one actually is the same thing, networking. We started a real estate meetup. I had been going to real estate meetups, a bunch of them in Wisconsin. And I just kind of felt like most of them were geared towards single family fix and flip investors. And so we started the Wisconsin apartment investors meetup. And then it's since grown to like out of the Milwaukee area to Appleton and to Madison. So that sort of brand in and of itself has grown. And I think we were able 
able to really help with networking. We put a lot of time and effort into those meetups. It's kind of the attendance has waned and I've since moved and I've been back and forth between Milwaukee and out West. But at the peak of it, we were getting 50 people to show up and speakers. And what that did was just got a lot of leads into our funnel, right? And then we did another deal and the investors that were in that deal were very happy. They got to know us and trust us. And then I think success begets more success, right? If you do a good deal and you do right by investors and they're happy with the outcomes, they tell their friends. And that meetup was always a great place to be able to just meet and build relationships. There's people that are investing in this current deal that we have under contract now that we met two years ago at the meetup that had stayed in touch and stayed in contact with us. And so as I think about scaling, what I'd like to do is emulate some of the things that you're doing with the podcast and just try to cast a wider net. We've got a really nice thing going in Southeastern Wisconsin. We're looking at potentially buying in different markets and we're looking at trying to scale and find investors from other markets as well. We do have investors in California and Chicago and New York and so other states, but just to cast a wider net and get the name out there more and get more known and honestly, just try to help more people. I really do believe in that, you know, the more people that you can help. And if you can take the long sighted view, I think it's going to work out. I don't know. Like I said, I'm in this kind of phase where it's like, I'm not for sure that we're going to build a great big business, but it's going pretty well the last couple of years. Uh, Jeff, do you have any daily habits that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success? Uh, well, I'm constantly trying to work on habits. I'm big into habits and goals and everything. If you, I got all this stuff behind me. I got this says be great right here and a lot of books about that. So I use the Way of Life app. I don't know if anyone uses that, but I would recommend it. And I honestly would like to even just buy it if I could find who owns that app. And because there's so many cool things about it in the tech world, they talk about OKRs a lot, objectives and key results. And it's like usually measured on a quarterly basis. Way of life helps you really track your daily habits and then look at it in like a weekly view. And you can, I've been doing this for like three or four years. So you can look back and see, and a lot of those goals change. But to answer your question, I try to wake up early, like between five and five 30. I try to work out like early, usually right away in the morning, but sometimes like today I'll work out after this show, but I try to work out before noon. Cause if I don't get a workout, it doesn't have to be the best workout ever. It could be a 30 minute jog, but just to be able to do that and say, okay, I got that done. That's healthy. And it just clears my mind. And then I also try to write or review my goals in the morning when I'm kind of sitting there and braggy and just getting going at 5am. And then I go, I have pretty much all my personal finances go through mint.com. So I use that platform and I checked on that and I check on our properties finances almost on a daily basis. I mean, it is hard to go through a lot of, that's why I like mint.com. I'd like to explore Stessa from a real estate perspective to try to tie in all of our different bank accounts in the Appfolio property management. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I want like a dashboard that I can just see the daily picture and then I reconcile any sort of finances. So my thought is if I wake up early, if I work out, if I write or review my goals, and my goals can be like, I either do quarterly goals or bigger three, five year goals, and then get a view of the financial picture for the day and reconcile some things. Then I feel like I'm ready. Uh, if you don't have any goals, how do you know where you're going, right? Or what's your vision for where you're headed? And maybe you answered this, but I like to ask you the number one thing that's contributed to your success. Networking. What about your best source for meeting new investors right now? Honestly, referrals from other investors, 
I'm trying to build up a newsletter and it's called Capital Club. What I envision it, and I want to build it as somewhat of a community to connect operators to investors. And so hopefully that can help us with getting new investors, but even folks like you, like people that we want to highlight that we think, hey, these are good people. They're really good at what they do in commercial real estate investing. And if we can kind of create that community and we're doing a newsletter, a free newsletter, or I'm trying to build a course called the Wealthy LP, and then like a mastermind, we're going to have resources for LP investors and then also have in featured folks like you to come in and hopefully talk to them, you know, get the meet and greet. I've helped our investors invest in other deals because I genuinely want to be helpful. So I'm trying to build that as another source, a little bit selfishly that it'll help us do more deals, getting more capital, but hopefully it can be a resource that'll help them as well. And how do you like to give back? I knew you're going to ask this question. I have to do more of it. I try to be very generous on individual like GoFundMe opportunities when I see that on Facebook. When it's real to me and I know the people that may be going through something tough and struggling, I try to be extremely generous. I definitely want to start getting a lot more involved as the business scales. I want to designate a certain amounts or percentages to give back to certain charities. And so we haven't quite gotten there right now. I give back individually GoFundMe pages. And when I see people that may be in need, I really like to provide in a big way there. But I do want to start thinking about a certain percentage of income. Sure. No, that's awesome, Jeff. I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you listening to the show too. You knew I was going to ask that. Jeff, thank you again for your time. And I just think it's interesting hearing, you know, how people get in the syndication business. And obviously we all think we're not scaling fast enough, right? But how you grabbed the bull by the horns and found a mentor and started doing deals. I mean, you JV'd, you found investors, you want to start raising money. You have done that. You know, that first deal, which we talked about, which you learned so much from and has paved the way going forward for some very successful deals after that. Congratulations on that. And again, you know, not quitting there, right? And I think the listener, it just seems like so often I'm saying lately, congratulations that you didn't quit you know, when you hit this roadblock. And so expect the roadblocks, right? Expect to get punched in the face, right? And have to get back up and keep going. And I've said it numerous times, even today on many shows, if you quit and you stay down, well, that's when you lose, right? So thank you for sharing your story and just how you push through numerous difficulties, especially on that first deal. But the partnering, networking, and things you're doing now to really push forward and hopefully inspires many of the listeners. How can they get in touch with you and learn more about you, Smart Asset Capital, and the Capital Club? Yeah, well, I'm on social media. I'm probably not active enough, but you can find me. My name starts with a G, so G-E-O-F-F-S-T-U-H-R. You can find us at smartassetcapital.com. We've got a deal under contract right now, not that we're promoting that. And then I'm also starting this Capital Club newsletter, which would be www.capitalclub.io. And it'll be a newsletter, a course for LP passive investors and resources for folks that want to passively invest in syndications and then a mastermind community down the road. So any of those places you can find me, I get back to people pretty quickly and all over the place. And I don't post enough on social media, but that's one of the things I'm going to start doing here. So... Thanks so much for having me. You're the man, Whitney. It was fun interviewing you. I learned even more about you. I've listened to your podcast a lot for a while. It was great to get to know you more, man. I want to emulate what you have going on. Thank you for that, Jeff. Appreciate you listening as well. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time.
Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.